Hey guys and welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. Today, I just want to address the, you know, and I, it hits me a couple of times a month that I'm I'm pro-Frank, anti-Eddie. And I know there are people listening to this going, yeah, you are, mate, you are. And I get it, right? And I'm not here to, to say to people, change your opinion. It doesn't make any sense. But it makes sense to, to frame the context in which you have to understand where the debate is, right? Boxing's cyclical. You're as strong as you're stable, number one. Number two, you're as strong as the network that's behind you. And thirdly, you're as strong as the revenue streams you're sat on top of. So whatever your cash reserves are and so forth, whatever your investment budget is. They're the three constraints that drive who's on top and who isn't at any given point. And so everyone has a limited shelf life because... As you build one wave of characters and fighters and boxers, you tend to focus on them at the expense of everyone else, who then get picked up by another promoter, who then builds those guys up. So when your guys are on the way down, their guys are on the way up. This is just how boxing works. It's cyclical. No one wins every year ad infinitum. It just doesn't work that way. There's just not enough money in boxing for someone to stay at the top forever. My start point in boxing is always this, fighters first. I want boxers to get paid, I want boxers to get opportunities, and I want boxers to have a career that means that when they retire, they don't have to come back. They don't have to sell their souls, that they've made enough that they've got a few houses stashed away, they've got income streams that they've established. And I'll just give you an example of this. If you look at Clinton Woods, Dennis Hobson's looked after Clinton. Clinton is still a millionaire, He's a millionaire in cash and he's a millionaire in property, which means he can now dedicate his time to things he loves, like training guys, you know, which is what he does. And he does it really well. But that's because he had a promoter in Dennis Hobson that looked out for him. Dennis looks out for everyone. And Dennis will always say, look, I want to make sure you're still eating because in exchange for your blood, sweat and tears, you're giving me memories I can never put a price on. So I want to help you enjoy your retirement, too. So there's an, there's an example for me of being looked after. That's the benchmark for me. That's what I care about. The second thing I then care about is what kind of career they're having. Are they being built the right way? Are they being promoted the right way? Are they being considered in those day-to-day affairs? Do they have access to their manager? Do they have access to their promoter? Does their manager care? And does the promoter care? So you start to build this kind of scorecard and you start to evaluate people against these. And rest assured, none of these promoters are perfect. None of them are. So when you roll it up a couple of levels and you go, okay, in summary, how do you look at the, the big two? Eddie Hearn, yes, you, you will get paid what he says you're going to get paid and you'll get paid on time. You'll get your name mentioned in IFL, behind the gloves, uh, seconds out, you know, the, the important media outlets and you get on sky sports you'll be on sky tv and depending on how hard you hustle you know other opportunities might open up for you and that's fair enough right if you, as a fan you're like right i get to see this guy i see the building and they're promoting him, they're marketing him so for so on and so forth 
But with Eddie, you might fight for a world title in your 11th fight. You might fight for a world title in your 12th fight against the guy who no one's done any research on. You've just taken the fight for the sake of it. In Eddie's world, you might end up fighting a guy simply because he made a commitment to that guy for an, for an extra fight. And he's like, huh, I, need, I need a body to fill this slot. And you are that body. And that can have devastating consequences. You might never box again because the beating you sustain is so bad that it traumatizes you. So yes, Eddie's fantastic. And no, no, be clear about this. He's fantastic at the business side of things. You get paid. He negotiates hard for you. You get your profile. You get all of this. You get all of that. But that's not a career. And this is why Eddie's been good at building guys that bell you into pay-per-view fighters. Froch into a pay-per-view fighter. Joshua into a pay-per-view fighter. But he hasn't been good at building his own pay-per-view fighters. And if you don't believe me, why is it that as soon as he gets that zone money, he goes looking elsewhere? Not only did he go looking elsewhere, he went looking elsewhere and signed guys who are not top-tier talents. He signed guys like Jesse Vargas, who we all agree, at the time it was discussed, would have been beaten by Kelbrook. You're signing guys like Gabe Rosado, who had a hard night's work against Martin Murray. I love Gabe Rosado. I think he's one of my favorite boxers. Not pound for pound this. He's one of the guys that I'm always interested in his career. But he's, he's not on that pound for pound list. And you can hoover up those small guys like Eddie's done and so forth. But with that zone money, Hearn hasn't bought anyone who would be outstanding in the United Kingdom. Which tells you he has zero confidence in his own stable. In terms of their commercial potential, he does not believe in his own stable. And that's okay. But it's compounded by the fact that he does not have a record of building guys from debut to headlining pay-per-view shows he's got Callum Smith admittedly but now look what Callum Smith is he's got Joshua but you didn't need that anyone could have turned Joshua into what he's become commercially you know that, that and I, I can't and anyone that argues that point is ridiculous so then we're looking at guys like Joshua Bartzi we're looking at guys that he's had in the past like Hosea Burton who've gone nowhere Fred Bullioni's gone nowhere Callum Johnson's gone nowhere under Hearn's watch and someone like a Callum Johnson had the potential, had he been matched properly, to have had a big fight against a Baturbi. But instead, he gets fed to him. So that's Eddie Hearn's black mark. It's for all the good things he does, you'll be put in a fight that doesn't make any sense. Because he doesn't see boxing in that holistic, old school way. Where it's not about the money today, it's not about the in year revenue, it's about next year and the year after and the year after. In Hearn's world, a lot of these boxes are disposable. If you don't cut it at light heavy, I'll just go and buy another light heavy. And I'll hype him up. And then I'll cash him out. And the cycle continues. So when people say, what's your issue with Hearn? It's that. It is that he doesn't protect his guys from dangerous fights. And he doesn't let his fighters build their way up to those fights. So any success they have is not sustainable. And if you don't believe me... Look how, how many defences on average do matchroom fighters hold world titles? Not that long. As long as it takes for a meaningful mandatory to show up. And like I said, that's cool. In the modern age, in the social media age, in the instant gratification age, Hearn's the perfect promoter for most boxing fans. 
he gives you multiple dopamine hits in any given week. Nugget after nugget, tidbit after tidbit. He dangles that carrot in front of you in the aim of getting you to to buy the pay-per-views, to show up at the events. And he's really good at that. I just don't think he's very good at building careers. And that's where Frank comes into it. Now, take Friday's card. I've seen people praise it. I've seen people criticize it. And you can segment them broadly into two camps. The guys that really get boxing in that kind of 360 degree way. And then the guys who get boxing from a perspective of, I just want to be entertained and I just want to feel good. Have no way. Listen, not one side is better than the other. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, our pounds are all worth the same, right? But these are just two different camps with two different views because they're from two different backgrounds. If you ask me, what do I think about Friday's card? Here's my honest view. It's a card that if I look at it on, on face value, a Friday night on BT Sport, I might say the card's a bit flat. But I understand boxing, so I now say to myself, what does Frank need? Frank accepts that 2019's lost to Eddie Hearn. That zone money's hard to beat. 2020's probably lost to him. That zone money's still hard to beat in 2020. But 2021, it gets competitive. Here's why. I don't believe Joshua will be a world champion in 2021. And if he is, he will not be this dominant commercial force that people would like to think. I just, he can't avoid the landmines for that long now. You know, he can't. And he, that's even if he wants to stay in the sport that long. He's financially comfortable. He has a great legacy. He's been unified world champion. He's been Olympic champion. He could ride off into the sunset as a British sporting great. Despite all the criticism I have of him, mark him down as a British sporting great. Then there's kind of nothing after that. You say, okay, there's Usyk. There's Hergovic. They're not guys that are really going to connect with British fans. So Hearn's going to hit a point next year, year and a half, where the, the talent he has available to him is just going to dip. And in contrast, what Frank then does is goes, let me build for that moment. So I'm going to lead off with Joyce and Dubois. They're going to anchor this franchise. Then I want guys who are building that reputation as killers like Denzel Bentley. But I also need guys who are going to hold it down in terms of giving me fun and entertaining fights. Your guys like your John Pilatas, your guys like your Archie Sharps. Yeah? Remember, we're looking a year and a half, two years down the line here. Then I'm going to need my guys who are on the way up and could be special. And Dennis McCann's a prime example of that. You know? So Frank's got this mixed stable of guys that if he manages to build them properly will all be at world level in 2020, 2021. You know, Lerone Richards throw in there as well. Nathan Gorman can come back for like a Commonwealth title. You know, you've got Liam Williams knocking about a middleweight. I know it's hard because he's on the wrong side of the street, as the Americans like to say. But Frank's building the stable that today we all think, where's the pizzazz, where's the Hollywood? But if you, if you can look forward 18 months and Dubois is still unbeaten and Joyce is still unbeaten and now we say, okay, these two guys could fight each other or they can now go after the belts. Now that we 
by then we would have hopefully sorted out this wilder Fury Joshua thing and the belts would be scattered again. And then you've got guys like Denzel Bentley. What can you do at middleweight? I think you can do absolutely great things. And so that stable in 18 months is so strong that you will then look at Eddie's stable and go, it's kind of aging. Kel's a bit old. Joshua's had a lot of mileage put on him. Josh Kelly, maybe we find out he's not who we thought he was. You know, all of these things. And actually, the most important guy in that stable might be Conor Ben. He might be the leading light in that stable in 18 months. We don't know. I'd like to think so because I'm a Conor Ben fan. But what I'm saying is 18 months from now, these stables will be completely different in terms of who's really ruling the British boxing roost. And then look back on this card and go, I see why Frank did it. And I'm not saying that to patronise anyone. I'm saying sometimes you've got to look at a boxing card and say, it's not for today. It's for next year or the year after. And I think Friday night was that. And Frank does that. I guess he's got the luxury of being able to do that. Whereas Eddie's got that constraint of, I need bums on seats in terms of Sky. So I get it. You need, you need that dopamine hit on a Sky Sports show. But it means you put guys in danger. Look at how Sonny Edwards is being built. Look at how Charlie Edwards was built. If you're looking at those two and you say, who do you think will have the more sustainable career? Right now you're looking at Sonny Edwards going, I think you might have it. Because what Frank has is he has a solid team that he trusts. It's him. You've got Andy Ayling. You've got Francis there. You've got the, I mean, and the whole Warren family. You've got Jason McClory, one a hell of a matchmaker who understands the sport. Then you've got your kind of your brains trust, your advisors, guys like Jimmy Tibbs, guys like Eddie Muscat, the shed. These are all old school guys that can tell you who's who, what's what, and the landmines to avoid. And I don't think Hearn has that. Which is why you find, you know, the Fabio Wardley versus Dennis. Oh, I can't even remember his can't remember his surname, but you know, when you've got a guy coming in at like 340 pounds, because no one had done their research, no one had seen him fight recently. It's the one thing Hearn has never got right. His back office function is not nailed in terms of promote, you know, managing and driving fighters' careers forward. Frank's got that nailed. And that's the difference. So when Frank gets it right, I'll praise him. When Eddie gets it right, I will praise him. And I'll pull both of them up when, I, when they get it wrong. But don't judge them by the same criteria because right now they're doing very different things. Hearn's chasing subscribers and he's chasing revenue. Yeah, and he's living in that moment of... I need to keep growing. Frank, on the other hand, is building and saying, I need to be able to challenge Hearn, but I can't do it now. But if I build these guys carefully and I build them intelligently, I've got a team that can go to war with Matchroom for at least three or four years and maybe come out on top. It's intelligent. And that's, so when people say you're on one side or the other, no, I'm not. I'm just seeing the big picture here. And there'll be a time when I do pull Frank up. If I hear that guys aren't getting paid, of course I'll make noise about that. I'll say, why aren't these guys getting paid? But we've discussed this before, and there are times when shows just don't make enough money to pay everyone. Which doesn't mean that it's above scrutiny, it's above criticism, and it will come. And that's what I say to boxing fans. Be patient. Like, right now, we know, if you understand what Frank's doing, Frank's not doing much wrong. He's getting the talent. You know, and he's keeping an eye on emerging talent. You know, I'd love to see Jermaine Brown on a Frank Warren show soon. And so you build that solid talent of guys, you know, Umar Sadiq's there. 
And you can have entertaining fights if you get guys like Jermaine Brown in. You know, Zach Kelly can drop down the way, so that's can Cody Davis. So you can have meaningful scraps, but they'll be very much British boxing fan focused. And that's not a bad thing. But just know three years from now, that stable you saw on Friday night and the wider Warren stable will be a hell of a lot stronger. And it would have started this year, maybe the tail end of last year, with that investment in that, that link up with that eye box and looking beyond his traditional hunting grounds. So just back to the initial point. So when, you, when, when I'm being told I'm, I'm pro-boxing and I'm pro-boxer, and I'm pro-boxer being able to eat and have a sustainable career, and I'll criticize any promoter that prevents that from happening. Al, Frank, Eddie, Bob, Lou. It doesn't matter. That's, I can't do anything else other than that. I'm happy, look, and I always say this, I'm happy to be challenged on the things I say and the things I think, and it's fair enough, and we can have these discussions. But that's, that's kind of what I think in the Frank versus Eddie thing. I think Eddie's under a different set of constraints than Frank, and so... We need to judge him differently. It's not better or worse, it's just different. And th that's where the discussion is. You know, Don't compare them in relation to each other. Compare them in relation to what they're trying to achieve and how well they're doing that. So, just back to what I traditionally say, look, if you enjoy this, please leave a review on iTunes. I read through every single one of them. And you know where, where I do need to reply or where I do need to explain or if someone does have a valid criticism you'll hear it on here I'm not going to hide from anything I'm not going to hide from anyone you know because it's a two-way discussion so if you like it you know leave that five-star review you know leave a few comments share it tell your friends to listen let's get those numbers up you know share spread the word retweet you know show that support in the same way that I like to feel I show support to all of you guys as well and you know guys have a great start to the week you might get this on sunday you might get this on monday i don't know but have a great start to the week as always twitter at highfield boxing instagram at highfield boxing i'm going to try and be a bit more proactive in terms of uploading content to instagram just so you know you can just shed a little light on what's going on in in my boxing life you know i think you know there'll be a few changes in the next six months or so so we'll see where that goes once again guys Thank you, and you don't know how much I appreciate the fact that you guys listen.